0: It's Memorial Day weekend, and this weekend, we honor those who have died in service to our country. And this weekend, as we do that, as we honor those who have died in service to this country, I thought we should probably spend some time thinking about why and how we can move forward, how we can make a future where other people don't have to do that and I hope I hope that we can do that without dishonoring the memory and the sacrifice that so many have left us with I I, I don't I don't wish to disrespect them I don't wish to to imply that there are never wars that are worth fighting but I think that um, as Archibald McLeish writes the death of those soldiers is ours to make something of that if, if we, in the present, don't create a better future so that other people don't have to follow them into death, then we are really, truly honoring their memory. And so we honor those who have died in service to our country. It's worth asking, what is this country? What does it comprise? Certainly, the values of our nation do not stop at our borders just like the skies are as blue on the other side of the border as they are here. And so today I'd like to to spend some time thinking about what exactly those borders really mean. Some of you know that I have um, a genuine and um, sometimes pathological love for maps. In fact, um, Eric and I, um, on our second date many years ago, um, knew that that we were meant for one another when we spent the entire evening sitting on the floor in his living room in front of his couch with maps and atlases spread around us, looking at them and, and talking about quirky little things in them and places we had been. Um, and we found that we both shared a love for maps. I drew maps when I was a child. I made up nations and and, uh, and drew maps of them. And then I moved on to m- drawing the maps of the nations that actually exist. I still somewhere have um, my, my maps that I, that I drew from hand. I didn't trace them. I just looked at them, and I'm I fascinated by the shape of countries and of borders. And this Christmas, um, our sister-in-law gave us a book, a book called Strange Maps. It's based on a, on a website of the same name, Strange Maps. And this book is, of course, to someone with a love of maps, an endlessly fascinating book. And it it has in it examples of the strangest borders in the world. There are some, some other maps, metaphorical maps and not quite actual maps, but the maps that I love the best in this book of Strange Maps are the ones that show odd borders Around, around the world. There's one um, entire section of this book, Strange Maps, that's devoted to what they call enclaves and exclaves in map speak. That is, um, parts of one geographical entity that are completely surrounded by another one. Um, so for example, um, I was recently in Omaha, Nebraska, and um, there is a bit of Iowa that you know because there's a welcome to Iowa sign as you're leaving the Omaha, Nebraska airport. There's a bit of Iowa that's um, completely surrounded on three sides by Nebraska and on the fourth by the Mississippi River. So the only land access to this tiny bit of Iowa is from Nebraska. Um, I guess the Mississippi River changed course over time and it stayed Iowa. Well there are many examples of these things. One one that fascinated me is um, a group of uh, weird borders on the border between India and Bangladesh where there are hundreds of pieces of each country that are surrounded by the other. People couldn't draw the border in a straight line. Border strangeness is an endlessly fascinating subject, and and I probably could talk for an hour just about that, and you would be bored to tears unless you, like me, are a total map geek. So Eric would be excited, but the rest of you would probably want to leave. Here in in New York, we have border strangeness, too. The border between New York and New Jersey runs right right down the middle of Governor's Island. The border between New Jersey and Delaware is um, still a matter of debate between them it actually goes all the way to the shore of New Jersey but where the shore is the high tide line or whatever on the on the Delaware River where that exactly is um, is is a matter of argument and so New Jersey and Delaware fight over New Jersey's right to put a natural gas dock on its own on its own shore because it would stick out into Delaware and Delaware doesn't want that these borders create political problems big and small. Wars are fought over exactly where borders are drawn. People die defending borders. And those political problems with borders I believe come from an underlying theological problem with borders. And when you get into theological problems you get into the things that we need to concern ourselves about as religious people. What are those political problems? I like to spend some time thinking about two borders in particular that have caused political problems, the US-Mexico border and the Israel-Palestine border, two important borders that have caused all told sorts of political problems. In 1842, the nation of Mexico included all of what is now California, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, and Nevada, and good parts of Colorado, Kansas, and Oklahoma as well. That was all Mexico. And that land was lost or ceded to the United States in 1845 when the United States annexed Texas, in 1848 when the Mexican-American War ended, and finally five years later with the Gadsden purchase of, of a little bit of Southern Arizona and California, that land suddenly became the United States. What was once Mexico became the United States. The line between us, the United States, and them, Mexico, was moved south by several hundred miles. And the 300,000 people who lived in that territory at the time suddenly found themselves Americans and not Mexicans. Never mind that most of them had never considered themselves to be Mexican to begin with. They were suddenly Americans. Most of those people considered themselves to be Tohono O'odham, or Maricopa, or Apache, or Navajo, or Hopi, or Yavapai, Laguna Akama, Humanos, or other indigenous nations. They didn't consider themselves Mexicans, and moving that border a couple hundred miles didn't make them consider themselves Americans. And many of those people including the Tohono O'odham, had the line between the United States and Mexico redrawn right through their people's traditional lands, which in their case stretched from modern day Phoenix all the way down to the Gulf of California and to the Sonora River in modern day Mexico. Something gave the leaders of this nation and the leaders of Mexico the thought that they had the right to draw a line in the middle of the lands of indigenous people because they had seized it by conquest, because they had fought wars over it, because their young men at the time had died protecting that land. They felt they had a right to draw a line there. And that line causes us all told sorts of political problems these days. The border between Israel and Palestine is another line that causes all sorts of political problems. One over which people are dying in our present day. I chose this topic looking at borders long before our president waded into the long raging debate over borders in the Middle East just this past week. And what what his speech and what the ensuing reaction to it, positive and negative, have proven to us is that the political problem with borders is that drawing any line over land and sea, through rivers and oceans, leaves some people on the other side of that line. Which brings us to the theological problem with borders. The theological problem with borders is that borders create an other. Borders are artificial, human-made demarcations of otherness. In one of the classes I took in seminary, we studied this notion of other, um, as it relates to theology. It's actually related to an entire field of academic study, which has become known as queer theory, Um, the the theory that that human beings are naturally drawn to to create um, us and them boundaries, normal and other boundaries. And... It means defining what is less worthy than we are, what is aberrant, what is less than human. Otherness becomes a value judgment. Those who are other are somehow not good enough to be us, and thus we fight wars with them. They are less than we are. They are not as good as we are. Their values are not as good as we are. Their religion is not as good as ours is and so it is up to us to fight with them to prove that we are better than them to fight wars with them because they are other because they are not us. Otherness becomes a means to oppression. It becomes a a, a value system by which we can deny people the same rights that we have because they are not us they do not deserve the same rights that we have. Because they are somehow less than, they do not need the same rights. In in queer theory, this um, was first used to look at how demarcations between sexual orientations were drawn, that that people consider some some people normal. And the word normal makes those people who are left out of that, that definition abnormal and if you're abnormal you don't deserve what normal people have and so it's a justification for for leaving people out of human rights for leaving people out of the systems that that help people in our society well borders do the same thing they define some people as us and those people who are not us the people who are them as less than us otherness is a means to dehumanization It's a means to to create a concept. Because you belong to a different group of people, I can make you into an abstract concept. Rather than treat you as a flesh and blood human being, I can treat you as an abstract concept. And then, once you're an abstract concept, all bets are off. And this is a theological problem. It's a theological problem because theologically Unitarian Universalists Understand that each person, each person that is living has the same inherent worth and dignity as the other. Unitarian Universalists understand in the, wor- in, the, in the words of early Unitarian thinkers that each of us carries the same spark of the divine inside us. In the words of early Universalists, that each of us is loved equally by God. Unitarian Universalists have come to a modern-day theological understanding that all people are fundamentally connected to one another, that all people are fundamentally worthy. And so any system that divides us arbitrarily into us and them, into normal and other, into worthy and not, is a problem. Theologically, we have come to reject the notion that some people go to hell because it is, it, is a, it is a theological othering of people. It is saying some people are not seen as worthy. And so they're going to go to hell. And we've rejected that for good reason. Because it is an arbitrary designation of other in humanity. Creating an other between human beings denies the relationships that exist between and among all people. It denies... The fact that the blood that courses through our veins is the same in each person. That hearts beat in each of our chests exactly the same way. It denies those relationships that exist between and among us. And in my own theological beliefs, I believe that denying relationships that exist means inviting in evil into our lives. Evil. And that's a, that's a loaded word. It's a big theological word. It's it's one that raises the hackles of many. But I truly do believe that denying relationships with other people invites in evil. It invites us to see them as less than. It invites us to treat them as less than. It invites us to fight with them over what they have that we want. It invites the, us to fight with them over the values that they have that are different from ours. It invites us to fight with them over the skin color that they have that is different from ours, over the language that they have that is different from ours. And that fighting, that fighting, the death that occurs from that, I'm going to label evil at great, at great risk. It's a big word. It's a big theological word. And I'm going to label that that evil. The political problem of the US-Mexico border is that it is an artificial line drawn through the lands of indigenous people, an artificial line that creates tensions when those very people cross that line without permission from the state. But the theological problem of the US-Mexico border is that the people crossing that border are seen by Americans as other, as less than. I was having a conversation with someone just this very week before I sat down to write the sermon, thankfully, and it was a lovely conversation about all sorts of things, and do not ask me how the conversation got into the political. I didn't want it to go there. I really, really didn't want it to go there. But this person declared as a resident of Southern California, which she was, that we, big word, we, she didn't define we, she figured I'd know who she means by we. We, she said, have an illegal immigrant problem. And she just left it there. She figured, I guess, that in, in stating that, so matter of factly, we have an illegal immigrant problem, that um, I was part of that we with her, that, that she was defining me as part of the us, as part of this group, the group that, that has a problem with other people. And by doing that, she was defining people who, who she sees as illegal immigrants as other. Defining those crossing a border without legal documentation as other allows us to define them and that's a big word too, I'll put that in air quotation marks, allows us to define them as a problem. It allows us to make them into an abstract concept which becomes a problem to those of us who are here, to those of us who are we, to those of us who we see as part of someone we would label as us. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., in his letter from a Birmingham jail, wrote, I am cognizant of the interrelatedness of all communities and states. I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. Injustice anywhere, he wrote, is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Never again, he wrote, can we afford to live with the narrow provincial outside agitator idea. Anyone who lives inside the United States can never be considered an outsider anywhere within its bounds. That's what the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote to his white clergy colleagues in the South. And I ask today, on this Memorial Day, Why it is so hard for us to to live up to that, much less to expand that notion that anyone who lives in our Earth, anyone who lives on this, our planet Earth, can never be considered an outsider within its bounds. Why must we draw an artificial line around this nation and define everyone who lives outside of it as other Robert Frost, in his famous poem, Mending Wall, writes, Before I built a wall, I'd ask to know What I was walling in or walling out And to whom I was like to give offense." Something there is that doesn't love a wall That wants it down Something there is that doesn't love a wall Something there is that doesn't love a border Something there is that doesn't like any sort of artificial line dividing the universal human family into us and them, into saved and damned, into worthy and unworthy, into privileged and not, into whatever categories you want to give it. Something there is that doesn't like that demarcation borders are artificial things they are made by humans with a distinct purpose the distinct purpose of defining us and them we and other and once we draw those lines once we separate us into those categories we can't help but fight over them so before we draw more lines before we fortify those lines with walls or fences on the thought that those fences might make better neighbors, let us consider the spiritual costs of making somebody else into the other. The spiritual cost of denying someone else's humanity, denying someone else's inextricable relationship with us. That spiritual cost is one I believe is too high to justify marking those boundaries with the the blood of young men and women, the blood of young men and women of any nationality. It all spills the same on the ground, and we are good to remember that this Memorial Day weekend. Blessed be.